So we're, uh, today's the first Sunday in the season of Advent. For many of you, you may not know what Advent is. Just hang around. We'll talk about it a lot, and you'll get an opportunity to engage with us about that. It's a, a division in the church calendar. We don't follow the church calendar rigorously, but insofar as it helps us see Jesus, uh, we do that. Um, some names of seasons in the church calendar you may be familiar with. Christmas, Lent, uh, Easter, but on the church staff, we know that there's another season, and it's called the Sleepy Sundays. And the Sleepy Sundays are those Sundays because of whatever else has been going on. People show up to church like the walking dead. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you did this week. I don't know uh, the effect of turkey or ham or uh, dressing or pie. Uh, I did a study this week to try to figure out, you know, they say that turkey puts you to sleep, but it's actually not the turkey that puts you to sleep. It's the combination of turkey with everything else. Uh, that's what puts you to sleep. Um, but our theme this year for Advent is wake up. Um, and of course, the Lord uh, is helping us that today with the weather and uh, a nice gray, dark, cold, wet day that makes you wanna wake up even more, right? So uh, today's not only the first Sunday in Advent, this is the Super Bowl of Sleepy Sundays. So, uh, and uh, in light of that, um, uh, before I read the text, let me pray. Lord, um, we're a sleepy bunch, and, uh, but you knew that about us already, and you welcomed us here this morning. Uh, you uh, are uh, uh, ever faithful to uh, bear with us. Uh, to challenge us, to comfort us, and to love us. We're grateful for that today. And Lord, as we look to you today, we pray for your blessing to be upon us, uh, that you would help us uh, to be alert to you, to not miss you, uh, to um, see and seize the opportunities that you give to us uh, to take you at your word, to entrust ourselves to you, but particularly today to um, anticipate your second coming. So hard, so hard. But you knew that, uh, and so I pray that you would, um, uh, by your spirit, press upon us the good news uh, that Jesus loves sleepy sinners. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to look this morning at Mark chapter 13, verses 32 through 37. The text is in the bulletin and also up on the screens behind me. And what uh, you'll uh, uh, note about this is, this is Jesus near the end of his uh, earthly ministry at a time of crisis. 
uh, preparing his disciples and preparing us for the time of crisis and for what uh, comes after. And so uh, uh, that's why it's a great uh, text for us because these words were not just for those people who were gathered there in the temple as he was teaching, but they're for us as well. So Matthew 32, 32 to 37, this is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Such a good final word. We should have those two words, stay awake, at the end of every scripture reading on Sunday morning. I... um, Let me just say at the very outset, don't misinterpret this passage to believe that insomnia is the pathway to spiritual growth. Uh, That's not what Jesus is talking about. In fact, sleep is uh, one of the most faithful things you can do, which is hard for us because we believe that production is the good thing. But actually, sleep is an exercise in faith. Uh, Because when you sleep, you're recognizing, first of all, that you need to sleep, that you're limited, you're finite, you're human, and you're fragile. And we all know what you're like when you don't get your sleep, right? True? But even more than that, there's a recognition that when you sleep, you can't do it all. That you're not a machine going 24-7. Uh, And that when you rest, when you sleep, you're recognizing that about yourself. But even more than that, when you sleep, you're recognizing the fact that there is one who never sleeps, who is always at work, always faithful, always watchful, always mindful, always careful to care for you, even when you, as a sleeping person, are not doing that. So that's not what Jesus is getting at. What Jesus is calling us, calling his disciples to do is something that's very, very difficult. And that is to be alert, to have our eyes open, to have our hearts open, to have our hands and feet uh, ready uh, to move uh, because uh, the fact is for the last 2,000 years, we've lived in Advent the period between the comings, that time where we rest in the fact that Jesus has come, Jesus has lived, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen again, and he will come again. And Jesus is pressing upon his disciples and us this morning, what is, and Luke, you can put my notes up there, what he wants us to do in this period of time. And what he wants us to do is to trust what he says is that he'll return. What he wants us to do is to live our lives with the 
uh, anticipation and being alert to the fact that we don't know when he's going to come. And if somebody tells you they know when he's going to return, turn your radio off, turn your TV off, close that book, don't, don't give the book to a second-hand bookstore because we don't want anybody reading those books. Uh, because what Jesus says to us is, don't concern yourself about the when, but concern yourself with yourself that you are alert to, awake to the reality that the world in which you live, the life you now live, the way things are is not the way things will be. You are not the way you will be. And a day will come when Jesus will return and everything will be made right, even you. Even those intractable issues that seem impossible, even death itself, will be removed once and for all. Now the problem with this is, the, the, the reality for us is, is that staying awake is very hard. Staying alert is impossible. And the reason why it's so hard for us is there are so many other things that we want, so many other things that we do that focus us, uh, that... Um, uh, sap our energy and sap our attention. And I want you to understand something about that. Those things are real. It is hard to be alert when you're in pain. It is hard to be alert when you're grieving. It is hard to be alert when you're hungry or you're thirsty. It is hard to be alert when uh, things are so challenging. And it is hard to be alert when your whole life seems to be marked by an unfulfilled longing or desire. And so the issue for us that Jesus is getting at, he knows that about us. He knows that about the world. He knows that is the way things function. And so what he's saying is in the midst of all that, what the way, the pathway to staying alert the pathway to staying awake is to see him for who he is and to recognize that all of these longings, all of these desires, all of these griefs, all of these challenges, all of these diseases of the mind and the soul and the body are actually ministers of grace to us. All of these things are actually things that God uses to teach us that the things of this world and the thing that we think that will ultimately satisfy us and that one thing that we think we can rest in and it will be done and complete will never happen. Not that they, we won't get them, not that we won't get that restored relationship, or not that we won't get that baby we long for, not that we won't get that job that we long for, not that we won't get that husband or wife that we long for, but those things in the end, are not the end. One of the best ways to think about that is, is we live in this kind of uh, tension of thinking, if I can only get this, if this one thing happens, this is the most important thing. We just finished a political season. What do I know about that political season? It was the most important one of your life. And because we are blessed to live in the commonwealth, 
we have a political season all the stinking time because we've decided that the way to be best the best way to be citizens is not have an election every two years or every four years or every six years but let's have one every year so there'll be statewide elections coming up again in 11 months it'll be the most important election of your life you can you can rest assured that some candidate or some pundit somewhere is going to say that most important got to win this one or the world's coming to an end maybe we should lose right <laughs> So the fact is, that's the way longing works uh, uh, in, in our lives. And what the thing that is so tremendous about this is, is that Jesus knows we are a sleepy bunch. He lived and worked and walked and ate and, and, and camped out with and preached with and, and, and played with 12 sleepy men. And one of the common themes in the Gospels is the fact that the disciples are always missing the boat. They're always uh, uh, kind of checked out. They're always distracted by some shiny thing or some controversy or something. When the fact of the matter is Jesus is right there in the middle of them. We see that. Um, next slide, Luke. We see that in, at the end of Jesus' life. Jesus, is, on the night he was betrayed, on the darkest night of his life, on the darkest night of anybody's life ever, we read this. Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Next slide. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Now, let me just say something in defense of the disciples here. Dealing with inconsolable people is exhausting. You know that you have this much patience for the sad and the grieving. And, and when you give it your best effort to make them feel better and they don't start feeling better, you get tired of it. Right? It's hard. And here Jesus is throwing himself on the ground, telling them, like, in the, in the darkest night of his soul, I need you to stay awake. I need you to pray with me. I need you to be my friends. And we don't know. Maybe they had too much Passover wine or too much lamb or too much unleavened bread or too much or whatever. Or it's just late. Or, oh, Jesus, you're so emotional. Stop it, right? Whatever, whatever their thing is, he finds them asleep. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. 
So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. The, the clock of redemption is running along here, and the disciples don't have eyes to see it. So what are we to make of this parable that Jesus tells us? And then how are we to be about the business of this impossible task of staying alert, staying anticipatory, uh, looking forward to living in light of his second coming? Because after all, it's been 2,000 years. Do you think about it at all? Right? So what are we to make of this parable? Well, first of all, there's this great household with many family members and servants. There's a master who established the household in the first place and gave it its reason for existence. He's gathered the members of the household and assigned a place for each. And a, this, is a, this is a big estate, right? This, this is a house with, with a gate. This is a house where, where there are... Uh, cooks and watchmen and gardeners and, and cleaners and carpenters and, and, and all of those things that you would need to make an estate run. There's, uh, uh, there's children here. You know, this is a, this is a full-on economic entity, right? Uh, and so there's much work to be done. The master's now away and he has been away for a while. But what did he say to them? Not only is there to be a watch at the door, which they would have all the time anyway, and that's why he says at evening, at uh, midnight, and when the uh, rooster crows, those are the watches of the night so that there's somebody standing at the door keeping, being alert all the time. But everyone is to be alert to his return. The cooks, the maids, the gardeners, the carpenters. So a state of readiness is to be kept as each member of the household goes about their work. It's not that everybody stops what they're doing and just stands at the door and looks. No, what Jesus is saying here is, what the master is saying is, I'm going away, I will return. And, and when I return, what I want to find is that you were looking forward to my return, you were motivated by my return, you were captivated by my return, even as you went about your life, living the life that you live here, as a carpenter, as a cleaner, as a gardener, as a banker, as a doctor, as a nurse, as a mom, as a dad, as a computer engineer, as an accountant. Whatever it is that God has given you to do in his household, you do it. And you give yourself to it, but you give yourself to it with the full expectation that the master it's the master's house, <coughs> it's the master's work, and you are eagerly do, we are doing this work alert to the fact that the master will return. And when the master returns, joy will wash over the household. Next slide. So the household is the people of God. The master is Jesus. The time is now and it has been for over 2,000 years. And you're given an impossible task. It is so difficult uh, to maintain uh, uh, vigilance when things are going well. 
it's even more difficult to maintain vigilance when things are hard. So what, what happens to us? Well, what happens to us, I think, primarily is, is the belief that we think that the temporary things that we long for, the things, the, the, the spouses, the, the children, the jobs, the, the money, the recognition, the, suddenly the relationship that was broken is fixed. All of those things are great things. God, they can be God-honoring things. But the fact of the matter is, those things are not the thing we're waiting on. The thing that we're ultimately waiting on, that our hearts were created to long for, was the one who will come and make us and the world the way it was created to be, the way it was intended to be all along. And so our sleep begins when we begin to think, no, his return is really not going to happen and... I must be left to my own devices, or I must satisfy this longing, or I cannot live, right? So what does vigilance look like when we are so tired and discouraged and afraid and angry and bitter and confused and self-righteous and grieving and rich? self-satisfied. What's that going to look like? Well, there's a clue in the uh, beginning of the New Testament. The New Testament opens with the story of obscure old people, the place you want to start every exciting story, right, uh, is with old people who... Uh, uh, who, if you were to walk by them, to see them on the street, if you were to be around them, you wouldn't pay them any mind. They're just another gray head. They're just an obscure old person. And in fact, you should avoid them because old people get in the way. Uh, they require a lot, not the least of which is listening. <laughs> uh, they are, uh, it's just challenging to be around them. And so what God does is, as he's about to turn the page of history, as he is about to do something dramatic, because after all, he's been silent for 400 years. You know, that, that page between Malachi and Matthew is a 400-year page. Who is he going to reveal himself to? Who is he going to seek out? And even Mary, the, the teenager, the, even she's obscure. She's not old yet, but... Her day will come. He begins with a barren couple. They celebrated their Thanksgiving at the table, just the two of them. And as they looked out on the street, they saw all the cars and the kids and the grandkids and the great-grandkids flocking into the other houses. But it was quiet in their house. It's always been quiet in their house. And it's just the two of them. And in that culture, it's not just that, well, they're sad or it's, it's hard to understand why people uh, might be infertile. There's probably rumors among many of their friends and neighbors that there must be something wrong with Zachariah and Elizabeth because they don't have any kids. God's withheld his blessing. And there's Zachariah 
doing his job, working as a priest, when God shows up. And the form of the angel Gabriel who announces to him that the forerunner of the Christ, the last Old Testament prophet, will be born to this old couple. Not the people we would look for. We read about Simeon, right? Who was righteous and devout. He just hangs out in the temple all day praying. And it says that he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. I'm sure that Simeon had many concerns and, and many things and, 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 and many wants and unfulfilled desires in his life. But what he understands and what is, what, what is so key to him is he, as an old man, has made a deal with God. God, I long for your coming so much. Don't let me die until I've seen it. And he sees it. He holds the baby in his arms, and God reveals to him, this is what you've been waiting for. And then we're told about Anna, a widow, whose, uh, the text is a little garbled, but apparently she's been a widow for a long time. And she spends her days in the temple praying, and she sees the baby And she goes and she speaks to everyone who was what? Waiting for the redemption of Israel. You see, that's the thing that is so powerful to me about this is, is that what we think and what we, the the way we expect to, to what we're alert to, what we're vigilant about is going to be something flashy or attractive or gifted or, uh, It'll be the latest celebrity craze when what we see here is actually that God is consistently working in ways so that we only see his power in the weak and the obscure, in fact, in the invisible. Why in the world would you start a worldwide movement with a barren couple, a widow, and just an old guy who's wandering around in the temple? Because what we see and what we recognize is these, kind, these people are the people who are bereft of everything else. They, they don't have anything else to entrust themselves to. They don't have any other hope. Their hope is grounded in the very promise of God and, and, and the hope that God will keep his word and do what it is he has said he would do, that he would redeem a people to himself, that he would come in the flesh, that he would walk among us, and that the light would shine in the darkness and that the darkness would not overcome it. That's their hope. That's what they're resting their lives upon. That is the thing that, is, that motivates them Day after day after day after day after day of waiting and longing because they know the very character of their God and they know that he keeps his word and if he said he would come, he will come. That's their hope. And so they go about their business and they live their lives and they do what God has called them to do in the sure and certain expectation that he will arrive. And when he arrives, oh, everything 
will be changed forever. Next slide. So what are three things you can do to stay alert? Well, the first one is this. Don't confuse what you're longing for or waiting for with the wrong thing. And this is so hard for us. This is so challenging for us because, because what happens to us is the things that most of you long for, the things that most of you desire, uh, the things that we want most uh, intently in our souls are usually wonderful things. And in fact, are only those things that can come to us as gifts from God. But our attachment to those things becomes so great that we forget that what we really want is for Jesus to come. What we really want is for healing to wash over us and the planet. What we really want is this one to come and to make us and to make things right. Because the world is a hard place. Life is difficult. It's full of deficits, full of difficulties, and full of challenges. And so as you enter into this time and you come to grips with the fact of your waiting and your longing, don't be satisfied with just one fulfilled longing. See that longing as a pointer to you of the greater thing that Jesus has for you. Secondly, go about the task you're given, whatever it is you're given to do, with an eye to the door. On uh, Friday, uh, I got up early and I went and ran, and while I was running, uh, Marty sent me a text to say that my grandson was at the house and he wanted to know where I was. Where's Papa? I got a lot of texts like that. Like, you know, even my other son sent me a text. Where are you? What are you doing? You need to get over here. So there was this kind of intense expectation. And, you know, I'm like <clears throat> a little, a little pent-up demand for papaws. Not a bad thing. I'll, uh, I'll finish my run. I'll take a shower, and then I'll get there. So I walked in the door expecting this great welcome. Well... Um, Muppets Christmas Carol was on uh, the TV and uh, they were to his favorite part where the Marley brothers are there and and so he's wooing away and I walked in he didn't look at me I even walked outside and hung my wet clothes up on the drying rack came back in the house he's still not looking at me and his parents are getting embarrassed, and they're like, you know, pay attention, Papa's here, pay attention, Papa's here. And he is like this, looking away. And then his mom takes his head and turns it towards me, and he looks at me, and he says, Papa. And then he started going crazy that Papa was there. That's what we're waiting for. Don't be distracted. Keep an eye to the door because he's coming. Even as you go about the work that he's given you to do. And then thirdly, pray for alertness. 
You know, that's not something that I pray for very often, that, that, that Jesus would give me the energy, give me the ability, give me the place to rest, to trust that he uh, is aware of me, that I'm not invisible to him, that he sees me, that he knows me, and that in his good time, he will bring about the full redemption that my soul longs for. And that's so hard. Because what I would rather pray for is immediate relief. Because I hate pain, and I hate disappointment, and I hate difficulty. When uh, we were uh, uh, going through infertility, it was the most dark time of our lives. Uh, In the late 80s, early 90s, uh, we even lost a baby right before birth. It It was a dark time, terrible time. And we went through all these fertility treatments, and, and I don't know how it is now, but 30 years ago, 35 years ago, uh, they filled you with hormones. And one of the in- impacts of those hormones that, uh, was, that Marty had, one of the side effects of those was that she would have very vivid, horrible nightmares uh, that would wake her in a sweat and in a panic in the middle of the night. Now, um, my heart rate when I sleep goes down into the 30s. So I'm like a hibernating bear. I, you can barely say I'm alive when I'm asleep. And she would wake me up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. What are we going to do? Wake up, wake up, wake up. And I would, you know, come awake and... Which, you know, the first times that, that happens, you're like, okay, I got some patience for this. The 30th time it happens, you're like, you know, this, this is, now this is affecting me. Such a good husband. And she woke me one morning in a panic, and she said, I just had the most vivid, real dream that our baby died. What are we going to do if our baby dies? And I looked at her and I said, well, I don't, I, the only thing we can do, and that is grieve, be sad, be broken, and trust in the one who raises the dead. I don't have anything else. That's all we got. And that's all we need. So pray for the alertness to have an eye to the door to entrust yourself to the one who came once and who will come again. As we come to the Lord's table uh, this morning, I made a mistake at the 9 o'clock service where I went too quickly into the words of institution and the church wasn't ready. And so they weren't alert to the uh, fact that they needed to respond. And so uh, we had to do the first part of this again because uh, we were a little weak in our uh, uh, confession of uh, the faith. So I'm alerting that, uh, you to that ahead of time that it's time to wake up and uh, 
uh, respond uh, to the words of institution. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, the gifts of God, for the people of God. Let's confess our sins together. Lord, you alone are full of grace and truth, but we have not kept watch for you. We have occupied ourselves with our own concerns. We have sought our own glory above yours. We have not waited to find your will for us. We have not noticed the needs of others around us. We have not acknowledged your favor and the love that you have shown us. Forgive us for our sins against you. Heavenly Father, help us to yield to the wisdom of your ways. Lord Jesus, lead us to live in light of your coming. Holy Spirit, give us faith to see that you are truly among us. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear these words of encouragement. Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him.